Hi, everyone. This is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. It is Friday, July 13th. However, we're going to have good luck today. We're going to talk about how to keep courage during a time of caregiving and how we can really reframe our idea of courage. And joining me today to talk about courage is Lisa B. Cap, And Lisa joins me every month for our special podcast, which, are, which is our Change Leaders podcast. As family caregivers and former family caregivers, we are leading a change, and that's what we talk about every month. Let me tell you a little bit about Lisa. She's a blogger, activist, and dementia caregiving survivor. As a high-tech change consultant, Lisa worked with leaders of global business, governments, and nonprofits. Her passion for empowering strength through transition and her professional work is now focused on those living a care partner life. Good morning, Lisa. Thanks so much for joining us today. Good morning, Denise. I'm very excited about today's discussion. You know, when I think about courage, I think about you last year. We have our keynote contest going on right now, and last year you entered our keynote contest. And it seemed I like did. it was something that you did to overcome your fear. What was that like? Tell us about when you decided to enter the contest and actually record your video. Well, it's interesting. In my professional life, I was always in front of an audience. Uh, So the part of of entering the keynote wasn't a fear for me. But after my mom passed away in 2015 and I started to get very actively involved in supporting caregivers in their roles, I... um, I stumbled upon caregiving.com, and someone suggested to me I compete for the keynote. I had never made a video before, um, and I'm a procrastinator. So on the last day before it was due, I got on the Internet to figure out how to make a video, how to set up a YouTube channel, and uh, tell my story. And it was very freeing. Uh, I was... I was Number one, I was so grateful to find your organization. Number two, to do that, the very act of doing that gave me courage. Uh, It made me feel empowered by the situation. And uh, I wound up in Chicago last November meeting the most incredible and inspiring people. So it was a great experience. I... I think about what has happened since you've done that. So we've been connected for a year now. It's been a wonderful experience for me. I think, oh, my gosh, if you hadn't, my life would not be as great as it is today. And I think about what it was like to meet you in November. You and your husband came to the conference. You were leading a panel discussion. You led a panel discussion about what life is like after caregiving ends. And I just remember that moment where I connected with you at the registration desk, and I thought, oh, my gosh, this is someone that I want in my life forever. (laughs) And then I'll I'll tell you, Denise, when I walked down that hallway, and um, I, I, I only knew you from your picture, and Lily Fuller, who was on my panel as well, um, and walking down that hallway to enormous hugs and support with people I had never actually met was, was so amazing. Just, that conference is 
such a powerful conference. But, you know, as we, as we talk about courage and, and doing that in, in meeting the network of people, really courage is just the ability to do something that scares you, to find strength in the face of pain or grief, you know, and caregivers do that every single day. You know my feeling, I think caregivers are superheroes. Um, The powers that caregivers have every single day to do the kind of work they do. You and I have talked about, you know, caregiving tasks versus business tasks. Um, You know, if we do the contrast like we've been doing in this podcast series, fear is just the opposite of courage. It's a belief that something is dangerous or is going to cause pain Mm. to us. And you have helped me through our discussions to see that the most difficult element of my 18-year caregiving journey, the moment when I was faced with involuntarily committing my mom to a psychiatric ward for her safety, was the most courageous thing I could do. And yet it was, it was the best thing for her and for me. And yet I felt in so many ways that that was a moment of failure, a moment I froze up and because of fear couldn't do the right thing. So you've been very, help- very helpful in making me reshape my thinking about that moment. I'll tell you, there are moments where we question what we're doing and if it's the right thing. And in that moment, it's hard for us to have the context around what's the right thing. There's stress, there's worries. It's such an emotional experience. I can't even imagine what that was like for you with your mom. It was scary, but, you know, it's interesting. In business, when I felt fear, any moment I felt fear, it didn't feel like the fear I felt in caregiving because you just hit it. You said you honestly believe there's a correct answer in caregiving, yes. and most times there's not. There's yeah. always a consideration of safety, of course, but for most things that caregivers face, there is no one right answer. <laughs> it is about doing the right thing for you and your loved one. It really is. You know, we, we talk about courage as the absence of fear, but it's really not. It's about recognizing that you're in a fearful situation and responding anyway, doing what you have to do. Um, caregivers do it every day. Can you think about, Denise, either in a caregiving experience of yours or in your professional life, where you faced a moment where you had to muster courage? I think about being in the emergency room with my dad. It, mm. it was probably about one in the morning. It was the summer of 2015, and my parents were really just falling apart. My dad mm. had just had a series of, I don't even know how to explain this, process, but he had had cancer removed from the top of his head so they could biopsy it. 
mm-hmm. and it was covering the top of his head, so they burnt it off. I know this sounds awful. And my mom was mm. in the hospital. My dad was concerned about her. And when the doctor who did the pre- procedure said to my dad, do you want pain pills? My dad said no. Now, if I had been there, I would have said yes. But my brother was there, and he was like, oh, sure, dad knows right. He's not, He's you know, he would accept it oh. if he needed it. So my dad goes to the hospital to see my mom, and then he goes home. And I'm living with him. And at, oh, gosh, I don't know what time it was, 10 to midnight, I hear a thump. Sure enough, it's my dad. I thought he's dead. On the stairs, he was trying to get to the restroom to get some pain pills. I had checked on him before going to bed. He's like, oh, I'm okay. Anyway, I called the EMT. I actually called them twice because it seemed like they were taking forever, and they probably were there in five minutes. So I must have called them within a minute and then two minutes later. But you know how that situation is. It always feels like it takes forever. So when the EMTs arrived, my dad was starting to come to they take his blood pressure at 60 over 40. They say, sir, we think you should go to the emergency room. He's like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> oh. So I say, yes, we're going to the emergency room. As he fell, his arm hit the side of the wall, and he has paper-thin skin. So he had this significant skin tear across his arm. So what do the EMTs do? They take gauze and wrap his arm. <sighs> When we get into the emergency room, they're, they're you know, looking him over, seeing what's going on with him. He's just a mess. And they start to take the gauze off his arm. And, of course, the gauze sticks. No matter how much they soak the gauze to the skin. Mm. I couldn't watch it. So at one point, I went to the side of the little cubby room in the emergency room and just hid I literally almost like curled up into a fetal position and hid. And then I thought to myself, what are you doing? Get over there. It's not as bad for you as it is for him. Get over there. So I got myself up. I went over. I held his other hand. I talked to him. Just, you know, tried to provide as much comfort as I could. And I think about that fear, which got me in into that fetal position and into the corner of the emergency room. And then the awareness that this isn't about me. This is about him. No one's pulling my skin off. It's happening to him. Got to get over there. But that's what I think about fear and courage. Between the two of you in that situation, how that, that's a powerful moment. Interesting. Um, I think about, and let's think about it through that experience you had, because emergency rooms in caregiving can be really, really scary places. Um, When you think about mustering courage in a moment like that, you know, the first thing is ask, what am I afraid of? And you did. You talked about being there for him as opposed to what you are feeling. The second thing is to think through, is my fear real or is it perceived? Is it rational or irrational? For someone in a caregiving role with someone experiencing dementia, irrational becomes your world. And sometimes we get caught up in all of the irrational fear. But, 
this question of will harm come to my loved one or me in this situation, here you were with people who were trying to help your dad, even though it was painful. And then this element we've been talking about in our podcast, how can you change your point of view? How can you think in a constructive way? Sounds like for you it was, I better get over there. (laughs) It's not about me. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's so interesting. And lastly, and I've really, this has hit home so much since my mom has passed away is, how will I feel when I look back on this moment? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, you had, you mustered the courage <laughs> to get back over there, even if it was a hard thing to stand there um, while your dad got care. That's so interesting. Years ago, one of the members of caregiving.com who was caring for two family members at the same time, her husband and her mother, mm. posted a question which gets to the heart of caregiving, and that is how do we endure the pain and suffering? And it's through our courage that we endure it, I think. We witness pain and suffering on a regular basis. It breaks our heart. It can sometimes steal our hope in such a way that we think there is no hope. We've talked about hope in the past. And I think it's this idea that our presence then becomes our comfort we realize that if we stay present in the moment, we walk through the fear and stand in our courage, that's how we endure it. That is powerful. I, uh, I, I was thinking about courage, um, and we've talked about symbolism in these podcasts. I love uh, the Native American symbol for courage. It's the morning star, and it's the morning star because that star is the brightest star in the sky at dawn. Uh And when, when are we as caregivers, when is the only time we seem to have to seek to replenish our well of strength and courage, but in those wee hours of the morning, um, in those difficult moments of caregiving. And, and you're right. It's, it's, it's about thinking of it in that way. I, I think of when my mom was in the psych ward and everyone else around us knew that she could not return home except my husband and I because oh. we just thought, well, we'll take her to the psych ward and, you know, they'll fix her up and she'll come back home. And um, the hospital staff, the doctor and the social worker and all of my family did an intervention with my mom, my husband, and I to help all three of us understand that she had to leave the hospital and go into full memory care. When I think about it, when I think through the steps you and I just talked about with your dad, and I practice this in my own life, I was afraid in, in that, that moment of sitting in the room in that intervention and looking in my mom's eyes as she nodded acceptance, I knew she was scared to death. But 
when I think about it, when I ask myself, what was I afraid of? I was afraid for my mother and for myself. I was afraid memory care was the worst possible option for her. That was a perceived fear on my part. She may have been, because of her delusions and hallucinations, happy to get someplace safe. But I was reading into her fears. I had my own selfish fears about losing her or losing her companionship, which just wasn't true. We had to redefine how we would relate in a different space. In the moment, all of it was perceived and irrational on my part. Because, and it's some of, Denise, what you've helped me to recognize, I needed to get my mom to safety and I needed a break as a primary Mm. caregiver. And everybody else knew it except me. (laughs) So, you know, if I, in that moment, and of course in that moment I couldn't get past my fears. If I could, I could have been empowered by the decision because it was the right decision. So it's interesting. Life is a process. Um, and, and as we've talked about, caregivers in the moment of uh, desperate situations and care have a difficult time redefining. But we can. We can be agents of change. And we can help others who are going to take the journey. I just think it's so interesting how our reala- reality becomes such a source of almost like this wall against our true fears. Mm. And sometimes someone has to remove the wall for us. That's true. During that intervention, what were you feeling and saying as people were moving that wall so that you could see a different reality? I said nothing. My, the internal noise in my head was deafening. And I remember saying absolutely nothing. I know that my mother and I were communicating through our eyes um, and, and both of us feeling the intensity of the moment, but it, it takes, takes me a while to come to an understanding. And that one was so deep and, and, and our relationship was so strong that it was, it was hard to say anything. And I let the I rest wonder, of my family guide. You know, I think we have this person in our hands. Our carry is our responsibility we take mm-hmm. it so seriously because it is so serious. I think one of our greatest fears is that we are failing. And oftentimes the suggestion that can be the solution feels like the reprimand that we are the failure. Mm-hmm. That is so This idea true. that, yeah, so your mom can't return home. Oh, my gosh. How could you not my perceive fault. that as, yeah, right, of course. Yeah, yeah as if I you know, had any, <laughs> any role in that yet. 
Yes. yes. It's but, not but about it, a disease process. It's about we're nope. just not doing it right. We're a failure. And and that F word is so paralyzing as a caregiver. Failure to do it right. And what's right in caregiving other than providing yeah. a safe environment for the person that you care for? Right. But too many people in caregiving roles are facing this about putting their loved one's care into better trained hands, which is what we had to do. And sometimes the better trained hands are the angels from heaven. No I think question. we can perceive death as a failure. We didn't intervene, oh, yeah. make a decision, stop something, start something, accept accept another option, treatment, possibility. Right. And because we are used to saving our Carrie's life, right? So I saved my dad's life because I was home in the house when he passed out. He would have died if yeah. I hadn't been there. How many times did you save your mom's life? Oh, lots. Yes. Lots. And then we take on that responsibility. I am responsible for continuing this life and what happens then is we lose sight of what the natural cycle of life is. I talked Absolutely. about this in a video I did this week. And what, what happens is we have this responsibility. We must keep our carry alive regardless. And then we collide with the healthcare system that says, oh, have you tried this? You know what we could do? We could do this. If there's, we can try this. What about this? And then all this emotional baggage we carry about, I can't fail, I can't let death win, and the healthcare system saying, oh, we've got another possibility, just turns into right. this ongoing continuation of the pain and suffering beyond what is the natural cycle of life. Correct. And let's be honest, none of us are going to beat that ending. <laughs> no. No. Not yes, ever. I, I, you know, when, when I do a presentation about the six stages of caregiving, I start by saying, who in the room has known someone who has lived forever? You're <laughs> right. Someone that starts to write, raise their hand, and they're like, oh, no, I don't know anyone who's lived forever. <laughs> it seems like caregiving lasts forever, right? But the reality is we all die. I was yeah, having exactly. this conversation yesterday about hospice, and we were talking about how, oh, my gosh, you know, it's so hard to hear that word. And I said, you know, we die. And we have a choice about whether we die with hospice or not. Right. Why not choose hospice? I agree. And I, I think agree. we're in a position, I think we're in a time where the shift is going to start where we do start to really think about what is the natural cycle of life and how do I we keep have this? To. Yes. Yeah. Why do, how do I keep this during caregiving so I don't add to the pain and suffering? Well, it, it is a difficult discussion about quality of life, especially in caregiving roles. Um, and you're right, caregivers focus on a goal because we have to. Um, and what is that goal? Is it is it living forever for our our uh, carry or is it a quality of life um, that they would want? I knew what my mom wanted, but 
that was at odds with my my own goals as a caregiver. <laughs> oh, okay. So what was the conflict? Oh, well, um, she had made me promise um, when I was a young child because her father was in a nursing home never to put her in a nursing home. So that was my first failure. <laughs> and, after, and after my dad passed away, she did not want to live a long life. So that was, that was the second thing, at odds with my wanting to keep my mom in my life. And, you know, I mean, those are the things we do. We're driven by those emotions. And that was my conflict. But... Uh, the journey of dementia taught me about quality of her life. Um, and it's hard to know in a dementia patient what they are experiencing. It's also hard for a caregiver to see the physical and emotional and mental decline in someone they love. So that's the conflict. Gosh, wow. <laughs> I just think about that. My heavens, first there's the pressure to always keep your mom out of a facility, and then there's the pressure not to extend the life beyond what your mom would perceive as her life. Yet, how do you know that? I, oh, you don't get so convoluted. (laughs) No, it's so convoluted. And I think, you know, this idea of quality of life is something that is such an important ongoing conversation. It's this idea of What's the quality? And that changes as our caries get older and as the declines continue. We can keep quality. It's just that it changes. Yes, it does. But life is about change, and that's what we talk about in these podcasts. (laughs) What do you think is courageous about your life now, your life after caregiving ends? After uh, uh, my dad had uh, Alzheimer's and my sister was the primary caregiver, then my mom. So we were, as a family, on a very long journey. My mom's journey was 18 years before she passed away. Uh, What is courageous is, uh, to me right now, is the discussion we had as we started this podcast, getting involved with others who are so deeply involved in caregiving and providing support and aid. And that's what I encourage people to do. We have to talk out loud and share our experiences because that dark tunnel at the beginning of caregiving is way too scary. And, mm-hmm. and those of us who have lived it and experienced it need to help others understand um, that there's, there's a community. We are a community. Uh, caregiving.com and the conference in Chicago is a community to get that support. That's what courage is about to me right now. I have been thinking about the evolution of our space, our caregiving space, so to speak. And I think what's going to change is how many former family caregivers are now part of the conversation. During a caregiving experience, I think it is hard to think about joining a movement because you're just so mad at your sister. You can't think about doing anything else right. being mad at your sister, right? <laughs> or the medical community or the disease, yes. all of it. There's yes. a lot of anger. Yes. Right? Yep. <laughs> and then after caregiving yep. ends, I think there's a way to think about, okay, 
I'm going to use this anger in a, in a way that makes a difference. I just had this yeah. really in, interesting conversation about anger with my niece. We were on a trip together, and we were talking about family themes. And she has the perspective of looking at the themes from her mom's side and her dad's side. So she was talking about a theme on her dad's side, and then she asked me, well, what's the theme on your side? And that's her mom's side, her mom and I mm-hmm. are sisters. And I said, anger. <laughs> that's the theme. And she was like, oh, my gosh, that is so true. And then we talked about how anger can repel, and it also can be that powerful emotion that changes. And it's so important for us to understand, are we repelling or are we changing? And I think what's happening yeah. now is that form, former family caregivers are changing because of the anger that they had during caregiving, which is, okay, this is ridiculous. No one needs to go through this the way I went through it. We need to change mm-hmm. this. Yes, I agree. What do you think we should talk about next month? Well, you know, this, this conversation led into the whole concepts of death and accepting death. I, I, I think that's a great nat- natural progression because we've talked about uh, success and failure in our first one. We talked about hope and pessimism in our second mm-hmm. podcast and, and now courage and fear, changing our, our perspectives around oh. death and and this yes. quality of life discussion, I think, is, a, is an interesting one we ought to talk about. Yes. Okay. I love it. Life and death. And I think we have an unusual relationship with death during caregiving, which changes how we live. Mm. <laughs> and I think that's part of the discussion, too. Perfect. I think that, I think I that sounds great. So, Lisa, for our listeners who'd like to be in touch with you, what's your website address? My website address is www.lisabcap.com, and CAP is C-A-P-P. That's awesome. Lisa and I have a weekly or a monthly chat about issues that face us during and after caregiving. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's always great to connect with you. Thank you, Denise. I feel the same. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we do always love to know. Take care. Bye-bye.